Lincoln. I'm your host, Curtis Shelton, joined here with Ryan Haney and our producer, Lindsay McSparron. This is the podcast on 13th and Lincoln, talking about things on 23rd and Lincoln, among other various items. Sometimes drinking on Lincoln, maybe. Could if be. it's after 5 o'clock. Right, the after dark. We're recording this at 1 o'clock on Tuesday, though, so. Just, yeah, full transparency. Just thinking today. Currently just water. Well, drinking, but water. Water, Less right. exciting. Yeah. And depending on what I had for lunch, it could be stinking on Lincoln by the end of this. So who knows? What was lunch today? I'm, I, I feel like I need to know this at this point. Arby's. Could go either way. Fair enough. I actually didn't have lunch today. Why not? I was too excited about the podcast. Were you prepping? Prepping so hard. I was on a, uh, a Federalist Society call on censorship in big tech. Sounds exciting. It was way above my head. It was Richard yeah. Epstein and uh, some guy who used to be like the chair of the FTC or something like that, or maybe okay. just on the FTC. Um, they are both way smarter than I am. Sure. And so For those that don't know, Ryan is a lawyer, so him admitting yeah. that there are smarter people than him is a big step. <laughs> now, that's a good point. Should we should we tell should we tell the people mm. who we are? The people we should. They're probably interested. I don't know why they wouldn't be. Well, I figure there are people who will know me and people that will know you, but perhaps people that know me but don't know you. There's a good chance. And you're the smarter of the two of us because you went to law school but decided it wasn't That's for true. you and left. Yeah. Spent, what was it, about a month at Penn State Law School. Realized pretty quickly this is not for me. Um, saved a lot of money. Yes. Wasted some time, unfortunately, but you know, not three years. Yes, and you didn't have to take the bar exam. Which is true. And you're not the butt of numerous jokes. Well, maybe not But you did, a category of jokes, right. but my sure. friends made a big difference. Well, that's probably true. So you went to school at Oklahoma State. That's correct. I see you're wearing an OU shirt. Is that on purpose? It, all I own is OU shirts. That's unfortunate. We'll go shopping after the show. You studied economics at OSU? Uh, finance and economics, yeah. Finance and economics. Mm-hmm. And you actually went to OU, right? I know there's quite a few OU fans that didn't actually attend. <laughs> oh, we can have this conversation about the Walmart fan or whatever. <laughs> I don't see why not. So, okay, so I'm going to come back to that. We're going to put a pin in that. Sure. So I'm Ryan Haney. Curtis and I both work at OCPA. It's a right-wing uh, think tank here in Oklahoma. So I went to OU, majored in marketing, went back to OU for law school, uh, practiced law for a couple of years, and then decided that sort of the billable hour thing was... <sighs> annoying and so jump ship at the when i saw the opportunity to work for ocpa but i do want to get back to the to the ou thing so mm-hmm. to me this argument that like like all these ou fans mm-hmm. didn't go to ou only suggests that it takes like four plus years of brainwashing to get someone to root for your team mm-hmm. it's like it's like our brand and our team is so un like not appealing to the masses that you actually have to go to school there and go and undergo like, you know, four no, plus it's, years. It's of, about authenticity. That's what it is. It's not, it's not a bandwagon group. I mean, like when you consider the fact that like most Oklahomans don't even go to college and then of the ones that do, I think, I think the number is most don't attend either of those schools. Right. I mean, that's like a huge segment of the population that, that you're basically that like the argument says they can't pick a side. 
Fair <laughs> enough. That's fair I, enough. I've always thought that that was like one of the funniest arguments. It's like, well, uh, all of our fans uh, went to the school, but I'm like, well, that just means that like you, your your team or whatever doesn't have the appeal or the national brand like the interlocking OU. Fair enough. But is that really what we want our universities to be about? You know, is it all about sports, Ryan? <sighs> Well, educational institutions. That is why I picked uh, OU. But I mean, we've already established you're smarter than me. So uh, well, I only applied to one school, which was Oklahoma State. So yeah, I applied to two, um, but it was never really a, a a question. Right. I applied to more law schools than I did undergraduate institutions. Mm-hmm. So how long was that break between going to law school and after graduating with that marketing degree? Five years. Did was law school always an idea for you, or? Yes, but in college, I hated the school part of mm-hmm. college. Right. I so, really enjoyed a lot of the other stuff that went on, but um, you know, I did a lot of not going to class. Mm-hmm. So I was married and had a kid when I went to, back to law school. So okay, it was just a different. Uh, it was a different situation. It was like, okay, well, this is. I mean, it should have it should have felt like for real when I went to college, right? Well, uh, but it didn't, and so when I went back, it was my wife actually said to me, she said, "We're not going to do this if you're going to cut class." So I only cut one class my first year of law school, and it's because of wow. my grandfather's funeral. Proud of you, yeah, That's impressive. Well, I wish I could say I kept that streak up, but I never cut any of my classes in law school <laughs> while I was there. So check for me. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, so should we talk about ghost students? Do you want to talk should, about that? We should, yeah. That, that was the whole point, I guess, of us getting together not to just rehash our college days. Well, we can, we can do, as fun as do that, that on another podcast, right. I suppose. Yeah, so today we wanted to talk to you all about ghost students. So, Curtis, there's some debate on what a ghost student is. You want to fill the audience in yes, on what a ghost yeah. student is? Yes, yeah. So, technically... The first time the term was used, as far as I know, as far as other people have seemed to understand, came from the OSBI. I'm going to report they were auditing um, Epic Charter Schools, which is a charter school here in Oklahoma. And they used the term to describe students that Epic was getting funded for that were enrolled in Epic but didn't actually attend classes. Um, and for some reason, people seem to think that's different than the way that we've been using it here at OCPA when in my eyes, it's the exact same thing. So we use the term um, to describe students in the Oklahoma public school system. Um, the way the funding formula works here in Oklahoma, districts are funded on a three-year high of enrollment, meaning that in 2018, if a school district had, let's say, 1,000 students, and then in 2020, they had 800 students, they would still be funded based off of having 1,000 enrolled students, even though they're only educating or teaching 800 of those students. Meaning mm-hmm. there's 200 ghost students. Right. And so the opposite could also happen, right? So if, if in 2018 you had 1,000 students in a district and in 2020 you had 1,200, you'd actually get the higher of those two amounts. It's not like we're going off what happened right. two or three yeah. years it's ago. It's the highest of the, the previous three years. So if the current year is the highest, you're going to be funded based off the highest. Which is Yeah. And I think it's important to note uh, for, for the people that are listening to this podcast that, you know, we are not Epic's PR firm at all. Like it, it, I don't have an opinion on, on 
if what they are doing is illegal or not. I, I, I don't. Um, they certainly don't seem to think that it is. There are people um, who seem to think that it is illegal, that if you are sort of dual, dual enrolled, like if you're enrolled at a, a private school or if you're homeschooled and you don't actually intend to get any instruction from Epic, that being enrolled in both a private school and Epic or being homeschooled and being enrolled in Epic is a violation of Oklahoma law. I just haven't done the research. I don't, I don't know whether that's appropriate or not. But I think what it does highlight is we ought to take the view that what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So it's odd. I think I think the, our point has always been that it's odd that there like a lot of hay was made about this with Epic, like nobody bats an eye to use like sort of the the Joker meme. Mm-hmm. Nobody bats an eye whenever public schools essentially do the exact same thing. Right, and they always seem to point that it's in the statute that that's the way the funding formula works, which is true. No one's saying that districts are doing something they shouldn't be doing. It is the way the formula formula was written. Right. Um, the intention was to keep schools from, you know, suffering massive declines in enrollment and having to make layoffs, which I, I understand that idea. Um, I'm curious how often they've actually had some districts have had massive declines in enrollment that would cause them to do that without having to actually close the district down. People point to this year, 2020 was obviously a very unique year. Mm-hmm. You've had a ton of students leave school districts, particularly Oklahoma city and Tulsa, who still remain closed. A lot of parents have been frustrated with that. So they've taken their kids out and gone to some online versions like Epic and others. So you've seen a massive amount of students kind of leaving their traditional districts, which isn't common. Um, so I'm, I'm curious as to how often that would actually matter. You know, this whole idea that districts may have to face massive layoffs because of a massive decline in enrollment. I don't think that's common or usual. Right. So you and I both work for OCPA. Right. You work on sort of school and tax issues in the interplay. So you've, you've written about ghost students as it applies to the public school funding formula. Right. Uh, Ray Carter, the in-house journalist here has also written about it. Uh, Let's talk about some of the uh, attention OCPA's uh, retooling of the word has gotten in the media. Right. It's been interesting. There's been some quite a bit of pushback really just on the word itself. It seems like people are almost offended at calling students ghost students, which my, my first reaction was technically they don't exist. So I'm not sure who we're actually offending. Um, I understand I'm, I don't, we're, we're, there's no connotation in my mind of, you know, these students somehow don't ex- exist. They're not. Well, they do exist in, in a, I mean, we're sort of getting into a philosophical argument here about sure, <laughs> sure. What, I mean, they exist. They just don't, they don't exist in that school. Right. So if, if right. a student leaves, say Oklahoma city public schools and they go to a charter school or private school or their parents decide to homeschool them or put them in a pod, they certainly still exist. Right. But they, they are not in school at Oklahoma city public schools, even though they're being counted toward the total. Right. And go student is just a, easy way to describe what that is. If people want to use a different term, um, I'm all ears. I haven't heard anybody use so, another term besides from ghost student. Here's the thing. I learned this yesterday. This, the idea of using ghost as an adjective rather than a, just a noun mm-hmm. and putting it before something is not new to the, it, like ghost students is not the first time it's been used. So there have been in Oklahoma in the past, uh, scandals involving ghost employees like at DHS, 
Um, I think even the Department of Mental Health had an issue or, or there were some allegations about ghost employees. So it's not like this is a new issue, but that's how it's being treated sort of in the papers. Right. Yeah, there's been a tremendous amount of pushback on this. Just just in the the idea of us describing ghost students as ghost students, it really hasn't touched on the actual issue itself, um, which has been interesting, which is always kind of a, a tell on whether or not your argument's you know, standing up to muster as if th- those who are pushing back are actually attacking the argument or are they attacking, you know, some other idea. I've had people, you know, well, call out my hair, my hairstyle, which may be atrocious, <laughs> who knows. But if that's your only point to make, then that's amazing. So be it. Uh, well, so the, I think the first time we saw this as a, as a criticism of OCPA was at Oklahoma watch, right? Was, is it Jennifer Palmer? Is that the name of the report? Yeah, I think that's right. And so, she was commenting actually on the state of the state, the governor's state right. of the state, where he talked about ghost students in the same way we talk about them. You know, that the state funding formula for public ed needs to be fixed because we have in excess of 55,000 ghost students in the state this year. That's right. So if you take, I mean, you're the one who does the numbers, but sort of uh, if, I, if I can try to explain this, essentially you take the number of students uh, that they say they are getting funding for uh, the, the districts, and then you subtract the number of students that are actually there. If that number is positive, that's the number of ghost students. And then when you add them up, all right, what five hundred some odd districts? In, how yeah, many I districts? I think there's, there's five hundred and twelve. I may be wrong. I may be a little bit. It's an insane amount. Right. It's um, over five hundred. But when you add them all up, you find out that there are over fifty-five thousand ghost students. Right. And so Miss Palmer at Oklahoma Watch brought this up and she said that it was an OCPA talking point. And I was a little sad for you because she gave Ray Carter all of the credit for ghost students, but weren't you the first one to use it here? I am actually not sure about that. I know I've had a story ran in the Oklahoma in an op-ed that used the word. I don't know if Ray had used it first or not. And to be fair, Ray should probably get the credit. The man writes more content than anybody else <laughs> I know true. on the planet. So That's true. I was disappointed that you didn't get more credit. Um, but So she says that it's an OCPA talking point and that it does not match the, you, uh, the Oklahoma Department of Ed numbers. Right. Which is, it's interesting. The numbers, I mean, they came straight from the Department of Ed's website. Just right. Just pulled it right off there. And so, Lindsay, can we put a link to Curtis's uh, spreadsheet in the show notes. So we'll do that. There you go. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're learning on the go as, as we do this. And anybody brave enough to look at it is like we said, there's 500 districts. So there's going to be a lot of numbers. Yeah. And look at it on a computer if you can, because I tried to look at it on my phone and I felt like that was kind of hard to read. Um, but if you, if you pull it up on your computer and look at, uh, you can see the numbers. And like you said, you, you pull those numbers straight from, the State Department of Ed website, but they're kind of hard to find, right? Yeah. I mean, you got to know where to go. I mean, there's... It's like a click path, isn't it? Yeah. There's a handful of things you got to click through and then find the uh, the spreadsheet that you're wanting to find. Um, it's easier than some things are. I mean, if you're looking for the financial data, that's a little bit harder to get to. That's okay. hosted on a different... It's technically the State Department's website still, but it's a different link, takes you a different site than mm. there's... Anyways, not to get into all that, that's... It's my day to day. Well, yours, I think. So. I, well, but I think that that's an interesting thing that people should know. Is like, 
this information, while it is publicly available and we do the hard work of, or I shouldn't say we, you do the hard work of going out and finding it is not easy to access. So then over the weekend, like maybe last weekend, Mm -hmm. you had that op-ed that I did. Was that the second time it had run? Yeah, it re-ran. I think I, I actually didn't see it run. Somebody sent me a link to it over the weekend. And then I believe they re-ran it on like a Tuesday. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. So the funny thing was like on Twitter, Jennifer Palmer was saying that OCPA was doubling down on the ghost students thing right. in, in part because the Oklahoman just decided just re- to, yeah, to I think it may that. have been <laughs> the fact that maybe they, you know, did an online only kind of publishing and then they put oh, in the, maybe. the print edition. I, I again, well, I and know. there's been some, there's been some turnover, uh, at the Oklahoma in their editorial department, the guy who ran the editorial uh, right. pages recently uh, left the Oklahoma. So there's no telling what's going on over there right now. Um, they may have just decided to run that because it had something to do with the state of the state. It's yeah. not like we asked them to do that, that I'm no, aware of. Yeah. I haven't. I mean, since it, we, we sent it in, I hadn't heard back from that. I think that's normal. They usually don't respond whether or not they're going to run it or not. So, right. And then, okay. So I'm trying to get the, the time, t- the time frame right. But was the next thing, the Tulsa world running with basically the same narrative that right. it was, yeah, they had an editorial essentially claim. It was again, mostly about this one wasn't directly about the state of the state or the ghost student issue, but it referenced OCPA's ghost student talking point. Hey, yeah, didn't it say that like it was from it was from an OCPA campout, right? Which which I, I am sad to report, uh, we do not have an OCPA campout that is uh, now in the works. Uh, Pending. We, that was a great idea. Uh, Trent England, an OCPA fellow, is a great outdoorsman, and I think he could put together a sweet campout. I know Lindsay is super excited. Are you a campout kind of gal? No. No. Mm. Okay. Not well, yet. <laughs> not yet. Did you? But did but you probably didn't know beforehand that at OCPA campouts there's lots of great policy discussions. The governor is there apparently. Um, so anyhow, I mean, the whole idea. <laughs> it's just funny to me that this idea of ghost something, whether it's ghost employees, ghost students, did not originate uh, with the epic deal with with ghost students. Generally speaking, um, we sort of used the exact same. Uh, analysis of government schools that that OSBI used for Epic to just say like to just point out, you know, this happens all over the place. This is right. not um, it's not unique to Epic, right, 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 right. And then finally, uh, was it were, were there two authors on that Oklahoman piece that ran maybe on Monday morning? I think it, came, it was on. I Monday think so. Paper, I know it was. I guess uh, yesterday they finally acknowledge. In that one, in the Oklahoman, that the numbers we're using, uh, and that you know the governor also used similar numbers, uh, are in fact State Department of Ed. Right, numbers. they did confirm the data <laughs> with the Department of Ed. So, so at the Oklahoman, they do not read a spreadsheet. They do, which is comforting. Yeah, it is comforting. I mean, I was told when I went to law school there'd be no math. That was not true. Oh. I've, I still have to do math. Poor thing. More often than I, more often than I right. had hoped. Okay, so, so that's sort of the background on, on the, the, what I think is hilarious reporting on the subject. But why don't... I mean, I know there's a bill. I can't remember who the author is. There's a bill uh, to fix the, the funding mechanism for public ed. Uh, why don't you kind of walk through, Curtis, because this is your area of expertise, you know... 
what some good policy solutions are to uh, to balance, like you were talking about, to balance, you know, not funding uh, districts, especially when in the aggregate aggregate across the state, we got fifty five thousand students we're paying for who are not going to school in in the district that we're giving the money to, um, and but also balancing the need to be able to budget and maybe maybe right. the whole issue there is that. 2020 is such an anomaly that normally this is not right. an issue. Yeah, I mean, 2020 definitely is unique. It won't be, you assume it's not going to be quite as severe, just to give you a, a quick kind of context on how impactful this this has been this year. Um, Oklahoma City Public Schools had about s- almost 7,000, I think it was over 6,500 students leave the district. Wow. And TPS, Tulsa Public Schools, had just over 3,000. So those two districts alone almost you know, have about 10,000 and we can students and we left. can we can assume right that because really no none of the government schools are or very few of them are operating either full time or or even part time right. at least in the metro areas that's right almost. and so it's not likely that they're leaving Oklahoma City Public Schools and going right to you um, most of them have gone to online right. options which I'll, if you've looked at it's the epic, epic enrollment numbers they've skyrocketed almost I think it's Last I checked, it was almost seventeen thousand students have been wow. new students have enrolled this year in, in the online epic, which is, I mean, makes sense when you've got so much virtual options. It's a school that's been doing it for a while; they have a little bit more of a handle on it. Yeah, well, and I mean, I know plenty of plenty of families that uh, have started homeschooling this year, or right, um, you know, doing the learning pods or, or whatever. So right, yeah. So to get back to kind of what the actual issues are with ghost students. So there's really, there's two, two kind of problems that it presents funding students that aren't actually going to the districts. The first one is it takes money out of that whole pie we have for education spending and is essentially going to students who don't exist. Right. Which means while districts who've been increasing in their enrollment are getting the funding for all the students they have for that current year, the actual amount of money that we have to give to districts is lessened because districts who aren't teaching certain students are getting more funding, if that makes sense. So that those 55,000 students roughly is about $200 million in spending that could go to all sorts of other areas. The other problem is it provides an incentive for districts who may be losing students because parents are upset with what's going on in the district, whether it's the educational quality or other things to change. If they're not seeing the repercussions financially, which is by and large the strongest incentive districts have to make changes to lose if, if they're losing funding this keeps them from losing funding um, for longer periods of time it smooths it out so therefore districts can keep operating in a certain way that parents just don't agree with which is why they're leaving and it, it provides that the lack of an incentive for those districts to make certain changes if they need to be made mm-hmm. um, which are the, the two things that you really which is why we're advocating for and there's some some bills out there that are hoping to do this which would just tie the funding to current levels current enrollment levels it's not very drastic of an idea. A lot of, there's other states have done this. I know Arizona's had a similar model to ours that have changed it. And it simply would do away with the three year high and provide funding to districts based off of their current current enrollment levels. I could see um, if you were if you really wanted to make hay over the planning and budgeting aspect of it, you could probably cap that right at some level, right? right. So you know, if you've got a say, say you had a ten percent cap 
And so in from one year over the other, you actually have a 20% drop in enrolled students. But the statute, you know, had like a 10% cap where we're only going to decrease funding by right by up to say 10%. I mean, I'm just making up numbers yeah, here. No, that's certainly possible. And it, that may be a good idea just because you, you don't want to have massive, massive declines because obviously budgeting is going to be super difficult. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it'd be very easy to do that. You could add a caveat into allowing schools to maybe carry over some more money. Mm-hmm. which is an, a, an entirely different topic itself just because I have a lot of questions on district's current carryover funding um, mm-hmm. just for context again. That, that I think, uh, I think that kind of concludes maybe, maybe the, the topic of ghost students. Yeah. Um, a couple notes about the podcast. I think we should probably just mention. Sure. So uh, I am sort of like uh, an, so I'm, I'm 35, but kind of, I feel older than 35. Uh, Curtis, you're a 20-something, right? 26, yeah. Yeah, so I think the idea of this podcast is to sort of reach a younger audience with uh, just some local political news, um, some commentary, uh, hopefully keep it a little uh, a little more lighthearted. You know, we're not going to, um, you know, hopefully someday we can bring on Dr. Farmer uh, to talk about uh you know, some sort of political science thing, but we're not going to have him like read his dissertation and talk about, um, you know, uh, really heady issues in term limits or whatever. So I mean, we want to keep it lighthearted. We want to reach a younger audience. So, you know, if you're a boomer and you're listening to this, we're super glad that you're here. Um, you know, we would love it if you would tell your nieces and nephews or, uh, children and grandchildren about our podcast. Um, uh, and so I think the idea is to sort of maybe get a little more engagement in, right. you know, younger center right folks. Right. And speaking of just, you know, center right folks, this OCPA is obviously, a, you know, conservative leaning. But for those that may not describe, ascribe to that sort of, you know, philosophical belief or whatever you want to call it we're going to always be upfront about, you know, what it is we think, what it is we believe, but by no means are we going to be trying to tell you as the audience, what it is that you should be thinking or believing. If you disagree with us, that's great. We'd love to hear about it. We'd love to talk about it. We'd love to. Curtis to loves those emails. So email, uh, Curtis at OCPA think.org. If you disagree with anything I say, right. Right. And we're, we're going to do our best to provide both sides of it. Like we did today with the ghost students. There's, there are reasons people are against this ghost student idea. And we'll talk through those things. We'll, we'll, we're not going to ignore, you know, other arguments just because we don't necessarily agree with them. So fear right. not. Yeah. And so I think maybe just putting a bow on it, if you, so I think we'll get better at this. This is the first episode. Hope so. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's really nowhere to go, but, but, up. uh, but if you hate the podcast, uh, just uh, keep that to yourself. But if you like it, we would love it. If you gave us a review, uh, if you leave a funny review, we may we reserve the right to read it on air. If you uh, would, you know, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, right. If anybody has any things they would like to hear us talk about, true, yes, we are open please. To suggestions. In, yeah, in your review, say uh, or tell us what you'd like for us to discuss. Uh, we're open to, to all kinds of things. Um, certainly, it's it's focused on sort of Oklahoma uh, political and cult- cultural issues. Um, but there's plenty going on in the national scene as well. I don't think we're opposed to diving into some of that. And then of course, you know, right now we're in the, well, we're at the, in the beginning of legislative session. So, you know, once session's over, there will be other things that we'll probably, we'll probably need to, to discuss and talk about. And, and there may not be just a ton of local issues to discuss at that point. But, 
Um, yeah, so if, if you like the podcast, give us a good rating on iTunes or or yeah, TBD. However you listen to where this, we're going to put it probably just wherever we can. So yeah, how, however you get your podcast, if it has a rating mechanism, give us a good rating. Uh, unless you hate it, and then just keep that to yourself. Like I said, if you don't have anything nice to say, you're probably at the ice capades, but you should probably just keep that to yourself. Says the dad. Or or email Curtis. That's that's what we should do. So if you love the podcast, uh, give us a great a good rating and leave us a leave us some comments or some feedback. Uh, if you hate the podcast, email Curtis. Open to all emails. I love emails. My favorite. All right. Until next time. Take it easy.